Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. This week, Joe is on vacation, so I sit down with Birger Johnson, CEO of Iceland's Play Airlines. We'll talk about the airline's first year of operations, future fleet plans, and more over the course of the interview. So let's get on with it. I just wanted to start by talking about your passenger numbers as, um, you know, they've, we've seen them healthily growing month on month since January. Um, when are they going to start to plateau? When are we going to reach the sort of peak passenger number for play? I mean, uh, one of the reasons they have been growing this year is that we have also been adding capacity and adding, adding aircraft. And, and uh, our business plan for this year was that we would operate six, six aircraft from, from June. So, like yesterday, we were announcing basically 90% load with six aircraft. So there's not a lot of room to grow from that in six aircrafts. But we will go up to 10 aircraft from the, from next spring. So I think that, you know, like with I guess most airlines, we will we will fight a, a defense battle in in the winter, and then we will begin to grow again in the, let's say from April May next year. And um, you just mentioned your load factors briefly. So 88% isn't bad. Um, you know, Ryanair sits right up at 98%. Do you think play could reach those heights or is um, sort of 90% already um, really good and we'll stick with that? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's acceptable. But, mm. but obviously load factor o- only tells half of the story, you know, because uh, what is uh, – what is, uh, most more important is the actual yields or, or the revenue that you generate, and and, uh, and as you know, airlines can differ in the way that they focus. If they want to be very load driven, like I guess Ryanair or Wisher is, that that they they want to be at least ninety something percent, and they really just dump the prices until they reach that load factor. Uh, we are operating a different model. We actually have a, a higher cost. I mean, we are. We are basically a hub and spoke network carrier, you know, within our own little universe. So, so it's a different dynamic. But, uh, when, if we're somewhere around 90, you know, 80-ish, 90 plus a little bit, that, that, that we are, we are, we are in a, in a, let's say, some kind of a ballpark where we want to be. And um, speaking about the growth a bit more, you mentioned six planes this summer, ten next summer. Um, where does play go? How big will you grow? How quickly will it happen? And what sort of new routes might we see in the future? I mean, we when we listed on the on the stock exchange here in Iceland last year, we published a uh, you know some kind of a roadmap or a business plan uh, which dictates that we will uh, have ten aircraft next year, uh, which is a quite a steep growth from from zero. And we will have 12 and 15 in 2025. Uh, so we want to get into uh, some t- some kind of a so, uh, economies of scale, which is happening as six to ten aircraft, and we are already seeing it now. Our cask, actual cask, is 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 decreasing very very rapidly, uh, and and. Um, and we believe that in in this market, 15 aircraft, because we are just operating in a niche market, is kind of the right point in time to to take stock and 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 uh, evaluate the situation and then see what what else there is. Uh, we we didn't want to go into the market with kind of a because we we didn't want to lose credibility mm. by by launching the company next year, last year in the middle of COVID with some kind of a big uh, announcement that we are going to be 
one of the biggest airlines in Europe or something. It's, it just doesn't it doesn't reflect on the uh, uh, discipline and, and basically the, the the bottom line profitability focus that we are are looking at. Uh, uh, for for us, it's not about the the size or or the number of aircraft or employees or turnover. It's it's about having a having happy passengers and and happy shareholders. You know. And you uh, briefly just mentioned launching in the pandemic. I know um, when you were speaking to my colleague Joe last year, you were saying that it was an advantage because you could get the sort of power by the hour arrangements. Um, are these sort of continuing now that the industry is recovering, or are you finding challenges with keeping them going with uh, greater demand for aircraft? I mean, we we were lucky last year because we were able to to secure uh, sufficient financing to secure the these 10 aircraft at very favorable prices. Not all of them were on, on uh, uh, power by the hour. Some of them are, uh, but but obviously you're leasing aircraft for 10 or 12 years. It's more the, the benefit is more kind of the the low monthly rental rates, you know. Or, or so so we were able to lock in very substantial savings compared to what the market was before COVID. Uh, obviously, it's gonna change, you know, and I, and I and I guess that the aircraft from 10 to 15 is, are gonna be on different rates, but uh, you know, it's always also a question of you have to uh, defend your cash. Also, we we could have been we would have been able to kind of secure all the 15, uh, but it's you know you we would then have to pay something and secure them. Mm-hmm. So this was a kind of a very decisive first step to to just enter in the market and and lease 10 aircraft and and and. Uh, and it's great to see see the model actually functioning now. Mm. And um, you had to cancel your Orlando route as you decided not to take the A321LR. Um, could the LR make an appearance at a later date within um, sort of the extra 15 or the coming 10, or is that um, out of the picture for now? Uh, well, I, I, I'm not sure I want to say we had to change it. We made the decision to change it uh, because uh, obviously we were looking at a very high oil price. Uh, and also we had an opportunity, which is, was connected to the situation in Ukraine and, and, and Russia, to, to get, it, get a, a very suitable 320neo into our fleet uh, at a very favorable long-term lease rate. And we basically decided to sacrifice this destination uh, for for the long term benefit of the company and and and, and the fleet. Uh, Orlando continues to be a very interesting place. Uh, the prices are high, and I think the market is there. Uh, but uh, we do not have any fixed um, plans to introduce an LR or even an XLR. But we are monitoring it closely because the geographical location of Iceland, especially when you consider the XLRs, uh, can open up some really, really interesting uh, opportunities. Mm. So I know um, last year you were saying that you were not at all interested in the XLR because you wanted to maintain the 24-hour uh, cycle uh, or loop from from Keflavik. But uh, you're now saying that you know it could be um, if if the money, the business works, the money makes sense. Um, a play could look at the the XLR in the future. Yeah, and I think that's kind of ap- applicable to what would happen after 2025, hmm. because as far as I can understand, that the XLR will probably not be available until 2025. Hmm. Uh, we are if if we are still doing well and it's 2025, we have 15 aircraft, then we have to kind of consider what is the next step. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and and. Basically, it is a re- really, really interesting aircraft because uh, it gives you 
some kind of the benefits of having like a, a white body jet. I mean, it gives you the range, mm. but the cost profile is completely different. So it might actually be perfect for for this model. But uh, uh, it it also one of the reasons why we want to stop in 15 aircraft is that we do believe that after that we would have to set up a second connecting bank in Iceland. We couldn't do it all. Uh, so so it would be possible to kind of have longer routes and then it would kind of fit into the second connecting bank, if you know what I mean. Mm. So so we might see we might see a, not an opportunity for it and this is definitely something that we're looking at. Mm. Um, so changing our topic slightly, um, you're currently using the volcanic eruption going on in Iceland as a marketing tool uh, to drive ticket sales. Do you think this is a one-trick pony or do you see volcanic eruptions sort of being a key revenue driver for the airline in the future? Assuming they don't ground your flights, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, one of one of our obviously more important market is is the tour market, the tourists coming to Iceland, and 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 I think it has to do with the image of Iceland in as a destination within the kind of massive amount of choices that the the traveler has, and so it's really good to kind of sharpen the image of of the Icelandic. Of being a semi-dangerous, semi um, kind of uh, exciting uh, place to visit. It's not a deciding factor. It's, it's just something that is is, is a good material, uh, good content, and it's always really kind of. I mean, I, I did it myself over the weekend. I flew over the flew over the volcano on on one of our flights, and it, it is really a, a massively kind of unbelievable thing to do mm. uh it, it's going to help with the uh, kind of bookings in in the in the winter and in the fall uh, as of now in the height of summer all the flights are fully booked mm. uh all the hotel books all the rental cars uh you know in, in iceland is fully booked but but if it lives into the winter it's it's going to be it's best definitely going to help um iceland you know even this horrible afet like you know that that grounded yeah. there that was a massive boost for for Icelandic tourism in the long term, it's mm. not going to happen in the next month. But just just to add kind of the to the stigma and the aura and the and the branding basically of Iceland as a as a as a nature uh, paradise. Mm. I know um, Alaska Airlines in the pre- previous years have done a promotion um, for Hawaii and California where they've tied um, discounts to the uh, the the level of the waves that are expected for the um, surfing travelers. Do you reckon you could see any volcanic um, <laughs> tide discount scheme in the future? Well, that would be something kind of the prices to the to the flow of the magma yeah. the, and the lava. That's uh, I would have to. That's a good idea. Thank you for that. <laughs> we haven't thought of that. Well, that's um, that first one's free. I'll charge for the next one. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a bit about the CO2 offsetting as well, because I saw your press release um, the other day. And so far, you've offset CO2 worth seven Keflavik Stansted flights, which sort of in the grand scheme of operating thousands of flights so far doesn't seem so um, huge and uh, significant. So I was wondering if you could talk about how important it is to grow this figure and how play can um, um, sort of go about it quickly but in a meaningful way because I noticed that you said you were clear that, you know, you need to be doing it the right way rather than just going for whatever um, to tick a box. Yeah. Well, I think you're referring to what the voluntary offsetting was, that Mm. basically what our passengers have actually offset it themselves mm. um, and uh, and I agree it's not uh, it's not a huge amount in the big scheme of things uh, we seem to or my experts here seem to 
know that this is uh, kind of a similar ratio as they see in in the other airlines. It's let's say between one and two percent of the of the passengers that do this. Uh, and I think that what what we can do uh, is simply to raise awareness of it. And this is why we decided to publish it because fully aware of that this is a not a massively impressive number, but but we are making sure, for example, that we offer people this option within our booking flow. And and whatever you put in your booking flow is is a valuable real estate. Yeah, I mm. could also use this lot to sell hotels for rental cars or whatever. Mm. So so we are we are basically uh, putting this in front of the eyeballs of the people when when they have their credit card ready. We don't take any revenue or not no commission or anything from from this, uh, and are just continue to be transparent and and basically like you point out, say okay, we can do better. Um, and uh and we are also telling uh, our passengers especially here in Iceland about um uh so many other things that can be done in you know for example uh waste that that hap- or basically falls or, or is generated in in the flight uh it has to be burnt it cannot be recycled aluminium cans cannot be recycled because of some various legal things and stuff we can kind of raise awareness of that uh but one of the things that I'm also quite, I don't want to, it's so easy for us to say, okay, we have brand new aircraft. I mean, mm-hmm. we have like the few, most fuel efficient and most green aircraft that you can have. So it's it's a bit of a cop-out to try to put everything on that, mm-hmm. you know. So so we just want to be transparent and, and, and tell tell our passengers that, okay, this is an option. This is what happened in, in a given period of time. Let's do better next time, you know, in the next period. Uh, and it's a, like you like you know it's a it's a long term thing. Mm. And um, if you take your rivals EasyJet for example, they are um, saying they offset all of the carbon from every booking automatically. Um, do you think this could be sort of the future for the industry, or do you think it should still very much be a passenger choice whether they choose to offset the carbon? Well, there are also a lot of taxes and you know the ETS schemes and mm. and Corsa and, and whatnot that airlines have to pay anyway. Uh, which is basically a, a, it is doing the same thing. So uh, we do not have plans to do anything more than that, uh, simply because it's really, really expensive. Hmm. Uh, and and let's face it, the the, pri- the unit price of ETS, for example, has has risen dramatically in the last couple of, or let's say, the last year or so. So it's already a very, very significant amount that airlines are paying on top of the fuel. Um, so. So again, I think I think it's in line with our approach to just just to be honest and 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 transparent to say I don't think actually we could afford it mm. to to do that also uh, uh, at this point in time in our in our kind of uh, history of the company. Mm. And um, speaking a bit more about the history, you recently turned one years old as um, an airline. Um, I was wondering, sort of from the CEO point of view, if you could touch on what was the most challenging part of the play journey so far and what was the most rewarding part? Ah, that's a good good question. I haven't had that before. Uh, I'm not sure. Obviously, the most rewarding thing is to is to take part in, in getting people to travel again and, and basically uh witnessing uh the value that that traveling and and tourism basically and and transport has on our lives mm. uh, because we were all getting maybe taking things for granted we could see it here in Iceland that people are kind of complaining about the tourists too many tourists and and this kind of thing but one day it stopped and then it took like one or two weeks and then we just wanted the tourists back mm. 
<laughs> so and we wanted to be able to go to our holidays and meet our friends or whatever abroad or family members whatever so it's 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 been really rewarding to take part in that and being able to to generate all these jobs for for people in a small country like Iceland i mean we have generated 3 400 jobs now in this in this short period of time and that's a you can see it in a small country that really really makes a difference mm. uh the, the the challenging most challenging thing i i don't know i mean it's you have covid you have war you have monkey pox or whatever it's called you know it's i don't know you know it's like every day something new but that's part of this part of aviation and and uh you know to be honest what comes to mind is is basically nothing it's it's uh it's uh it's been it's been a right you know yeah but 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 we we are moving in the right direction and people are working as one and there's a good team spirit and we're doing well and that's kind of that's that overshadows if there are any negative things mm. And um, what does it mean um, for the airline and for you as a CEO uh, reaching the one-year milestone? Well, um, a lot of people thought we couldn't make it. Mm. So I guess, guess you're proving the naysayers wrong, and that's always a, gives you some sa- kind of a satisfaction. Um, but, I mean, what what is valuable and, and, and unique, actually, in, in at least my career, is to have the belief of the shareholders to fund the company and the business model for for the foreseeable kind of few years mm. so it has never been any doubt that we were not we were not we were running out of cash or couldn't make it or something we we all the decisions we are taking are taking for the long term mm. we are investing our people in people we are investing in culture we're doing all kinds of management training we're basically making sure that play is going to be a great company in the future and uh and that is really something unique. You re- really don't get to do that too many times in, in your career. Mm. So, so now we are at the, at the, at basically at the point in time where the company is almost born. I mean, we were all, almost in a warm up period, but now we have our U.S. operation going. We, we are operating six aircraft. We have some kind of a scale in the operation and, uh, and uh you know it's just simply going according to plan if if uh if you discount small things like like covid was was longer in in our plans or there was a spike in oil prices but but all the other factors are, are basically playing out as we as we planned them mm. and um sort of final question um just to wrap it up um earlier you talked about sort of the summer you're fully booked and the winter is um not so much, uh, you know, you've got to get through the winter to enjoy the summer. Uh, so what does this winter look like for play? I mean, we have a we have a strong booking situation or booking status. Uh, what what happens, is that we, like I guess most airlines, we, we change our mix a little bit. There, mm. there are a few summer destinations that uh, we discontinue. We, we basically put more emphasis on the transatlantic uh, uh, network. Uh, we have seasonal winter destinations coming in, like skiing. We're, we're beginning flights to Liverpool, which is basically connected to the football. I mean, we are football crazy here in Iceland, you know, uh, and, and these kind of things. So I, I think that the winter is not going to be too bad, actually. But, uh, but obviously you have to, you're like a little squirrel. I mean, you have to, you have to collect your nuts uh, in the summer and, and, and survive through the winter. But we have enough cash and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, we, all the focus of the management team. And I, I think this is a very good sign of, of the health of the company. Everything we're talking about now is next summer, next year. Mm-hmm. There's no internal firefighting. We're not, you know, the operation is, I mean, our on-time performance is nearly 80% for July. 
massive achievement. So it's basically running like clockwork. And and, uh, and I think we're in a really, really good place. And it's happening because we are not rushing. We're not uh, running. We're just doing it in a very, very measured kind of way mm. and, and disciplined steps. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time this afternoon, Bigger. My pleasure. Thanks a lot. I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.